Right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Eighth Note Sessions. I'm Devin Mullen. And I'm Mike Shamil. And tonight, we're joined by Allison Mitchell of Velvet Bethany. Uh, dream rock, uh, by their own description, I'd, I'd say pretty punky. Maybe dream punk. Allison, how you doing? Good, how are you? Very How's good. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, we're doing great. I'm very good. So I wanted to talk with you about, uh, well, your your music and your your story as a, an artist and a, a musician. Um, for the folks at home who aren't familiar with Velvet Bethany, they are a wonderfully energetic group that really blends a bunch of different genres together, covering the gamut from sort of dream pop to rock to irreverent punk. Um, they even have some like flashes of the Minutemen in them, if, you, if you're familiar. Um, the lyrics are deceptively simple of a great emotional depth and suggest a much greater narrative than what's directly being spoken. And I kind of wanted to talk to Allison to get some insight on to what goes into the, the world of Velvet Bethany. So, for example, uh, Allison, with a song like You're, You're So Mean. Uh, She's so mean? Just like me. Yeah, she's so mean. She's so mean. What what part of your your life are you writing from? And what things are you writing to? when you make a song. That song specifically? What am I writing sure. from? Um, that one is not a song that I had a dream about or where all of my songs are mostly about dream bits. Um, that was a real life song. Like so, a moment that, that, that actually happened, like, specifically? Yeah. Um, she's so mean, just like me, because I can write a song about it, which gives me my power back. And, and that that's kind of what I mean. It's... I, I wouldn't take that as a song about self-empowerment necessarily at, at the first listen, but there is this kind of, like, wiping of the slate clean with it. Yeah, mm -hmm. she's so mean, but yeah, I'm, I'm just more, as mean. Well, that one's a lot more simple. That is, like, the simple story. Although, I, I lied. I, I, I didn't speak of dreams in the song. <laughs> I said sorry that I cursed at you in my dreams. Cause I'm like, I was in the studio and at the end of it, I was like, wow, that was like therapy. Like you're like Doug White, he's like my therapist. Because at the end of it, I was listening back and I'm just like, I raised my eyebrows a few times and I'm like, did I really just say all that? <laughs> when I hear it back, it's like different than when I'm saying it. Cause you don't hear yourself while you're speaking. I'm just like, wow, I'm like kind of. With, with your songwriting process, you say that a lot of times you're sort of tapping into a, well, into dreams, but to, to extend it even beyond that, into some kind of infinity that's informed by a poetic 
spiritual and metaphysical engagement with life. Um, when did your your process of songwriting and musicianship really start? I started writing songs when I was 17 um, because I was a very emotional teenager and I was boy crazy. But then at the same time, my home life, I was like numb to it. So I would write about the process of freezing and thawing because I would experience like these extreme emotions. I'd go to school, like school was my escape. Extreme emotions for boys or my friends or something. <laughs> or not knowing how to cope with relationships when I was 14. And then I go home and it was like, oh, disturbing, weird world of like a sitcom <laughs> that I was just like, had to shut down. So it's, it was like I had to live half my life escaping or shutting down from the emotions. And then they would just explode when I got to school. You described it as a, you described it as a kind of freezing and thawing. Uh, and we were talking about this, uh, this difficulty of writing about things and cycles. Uh, in our pre-interview conversation. And one of your bandmates made a joke that the Beatles only wrote about love for their first six albums. And you, you kind of were making peace about, you know, maybe that's what you got to write about until it's it's all written out, you know? Um, yeah, can I write another Dan? love song? Have I written too many? <laughs> only when you feel uh, like you've written too many, you know? I mean, because at the end of the I'm day- <laughs> so I can still keep writing about it as long as I'm in love. Right. That's right. That you know, I, I've gotten in, in in love with kombucha recently, not really, but yeah, it's it's just falling. In love with what? It's just having kombucha. I, I don't know. They're, kombucha. You know. So why not? It, it's kind of like parenting. You're, you're taking care of a, a living thing in your fridge. Wait, do do you it's have like a scoby at home, or are you making kombucha now, or? Or are you just drinking? No, I was, no, I'm just doing a bit. Um, oh, okay. For a second, I was like, "Wow, this like <laughs> new undiscovered side of Devin." <laughs> the kombucha drinking. Um, something we we also talked about in uh, our pre-interview conversation was that you're you're fairly well traveled uh, as well. You've been over to Japan a couple times. Uh, been at the base of Mount Fuji, or at, at least a approximately in the base of Mount Fuji. Um, and that you, you're a practitioner of a, a Japanese sect of, of Buddhism. Uh, has that at all been an influence in your songwriting? Yeah, I started Bella Bethany after becoming a Buddhist because I just was channeling songs. They would just happen. They would be like it was a very troubling period so i would see the true nature of my situations and i would pass out and have a dream maybe and um like after chanting and i would write that like the song hedonist i dreamed that your eyes turned black i dreamed that your hair followed back 
um, me and this person I was with had become Buddhists together and they turned out to be like a Satanist, like, and they would say like Satanism and Buddhism were the same thing. They believed in the same things, but it wasn't because they wanted me to, they said my soul had to be as black as theirs. It's a pretty chilling so, statement. Yeah. And I believe them. And then I took it back. I mean, so I sold my soul to the devil and then I offered it to the Buddhism. And I was, or to the universe. And I was like, if whatever, if you find this and you can find a purpose for me, give it to me. <laughs> so the, the interesting thing here is like, when you, when you elevate things to, to that level of, of souls in the universe and, you know, devils and gods and, you know, these higher powers above our comprehension and our, our true understanding, um, a lot of times it can be very difficult to more directly communicate with people because you're, you're touch you're touching on something that's so much larger than, than any single person. Uh, do you find that turning to music as a means of expression and the way of showing yourself to the world is often the more uh, well, valid route to take, more effective route to take? Do I find that what is a more valid route to take? Artistic expression. Is it a, a good way of translating these um, sort of self-evident universal truths? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's the, really the only way to. You, you can't explain. You can, there is no language for the unseen or the ethereal. What is behind the veil? You can only like see that maybe in picture form or feel it in emotional form which you can convey through art and music or by connecting with nature or poetry maybe poetry because that is music too but when you blend the music with the poetry with the language you give it the emotion you give it the feeling well, I'm, the to, Sorry. To, to completely enter our philosophy zone, I mean, the, the emotion of it is what, what makes it human. And I, I think you're right, there is a, an inherent quality of poetry in all of existence. I mean, you, you just look at the processes of the natural world, whether it's water flowing or the fractals in a honeycomb, and there's an organization and structure to things, which you, you can't deny. Um, what I love about, about this, this entire conversation though, is, um, all this, this very heavy philosophy and this very, very deep rooted engagement with life. It sometimes manifests with lyrics like, and they're going to send you home with a cookie in your mouth. And I... I find that that contrast so so delicious to consider as an artistic offering. Um, 
why is it for the 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 heaviness of what's going on behind the curtain if we're talking about looking beyond the veil and everything that the lyrics come out in this way that is so as i said at the start of the interview deceptively simple why does it all kind of funnel down to that because if i told you everything that happened in the dream you'd be like what like my boyfriend every day he's just like i can't do this right now (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't there i don't know you're not there so i just if i'm like the guy took me up the mountain and he looked like a little guy little alien in a business suit and then we all got on the bus and everyone had like a date on their head (laughs) well at that point you'd be writing folk music because you know yeah. you'd be singing a format that would have the the room for for larger amounts of detail but that would require you know a complete genre change to to accommodate all that information and imagery i mean you do a very good job though taking the the most essential parts of those stories and yeah, and putting those it. in the song let me give you the soul of it because i already talk way too much and try to explain myself in real life um, and like overthink everything, so. I'm guilty of that too. I, I tend to talk way too much tech, and when I see people's eyes glazing over as I'm like over-explaining something, I realized I've gone a little far and I've lost them. <laughs> yeah, I see that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the on on the subject of uh, music and and poetry, I, I agree with you that they they're very close in it and in a lot of ways. Um, related i i feel like um poetry is often lyrics that don't necessarily have the music written for them yet do you find yourself also sharing poetry in some of your live performances or is that more so a personal thing um i write i like journal and i feel like i just really started writing poetry but if i look back i've probably been writing poetry the whole time if i'm writing songs but I'll pick pieces out of my journal entries and because all the wordy stuff doesn't make sense. And I put it, you know, I, I organize it and make it um, more concise. How do I really teach the lesson to myself? How do I really un- like stop myself from, you know, I compile it and what is it? I I alchemicalize it and I boil it down and I concentrate it you know you write it all out and um then I understand can be a very difficult uh can be a very difficult pedagogy being both student and teacher but definitely an exercise worthy of, of undertaking um to get back on on like what Velvet Bethany is up to for a second, uh, what shows we got coming up? This Saturday at the Ninth Ward, we're playing with Emily Wolf. Emily Wolf, okay. Now, did you just play Annabelle with Stardust? Yeah, I think we played this past Saturday. No, it was last Wednesday. It was Stardust. That's a cool pairing, by the way. I've seen Stardust play before, and. Um, while I've never seen both your acts play together, I think that's a very good fit. Oh man, we used to live in the same apartment building. Sid is my sister's best friend. Ah, we that's awesome. 
last year, the last couple of years. Um, so you already had you already had that established way of of um, kind of vibing through each other's music and knowing where you know oh, yeah, things would fit. Band practice all the time, and then one time they were making a music video downstairs, and I'm like, "What are you guys doing? Can I help you?" And like I put out a, a their tape, like a demo tape for them last year, just so they could have like something to sell at shows. Then That's they awesome. They got CDs and tapes. Um, you, you also had a, a release earlier this year, yeah? Did I have a release? Oh, Rock yeah, and Roll was... Vacation. What was that last old? year? Oh, that's an old one. Okay, never mind. I'm out of date. I did get your discography off Bandcamp, but I just kind of threw it all on my phone and, and listened to it without paying attention as to, like, what songs are part of what release. Well, thank you for buying that. Yeah, absolutely. I never I... know who people are. I'm just like, oh, somebody got that. <laughs> Bandcamp is one of my, my favorite things. It's, it's really given me a way of... Um, getting my hands on a, a lot of really, really good music, um, especially after like cool record stores. You know, we've got a couple in town, thankfully, again. Mm -hmm. But there was a weird period of time where like record theater was gone and there was like no cool place to find good music. And, you know, we're starting to get that back again. But like Bandcamp has like been there to fill in that gap. Um, you mentioned tapes earlier. Are you actually recording to cassette and, and releasing cassettes as well? Um, I'm really slow to put any of my own music on a medium because I can't decide, like, I kind of just want to make like a volume one, Bubba Bethany, like whatever's on Bandcamp or the internet, I'm like, I don't know, I don't like the album covers. I just kind of want to consolidate it all and have like a really nice picture eventually and have the money to do that like on an LP. But I don't, so, because I like to buy kayaks and weird guitars, so I don't have the money to put music on an LP <laughs> and, like, bikes. I'm a bike mechanic, so I'm, like, I just bought a bike frame from Japan, and I'm just, like, I don't need this, but I do. <laughs> but you know what? With a kayak, you can busk for all those people with the with the fancy boats on the Black Rock Canal. That's that's a real market. Yo, I, I'm that's you should actually try that because um, last year during like lockdown, I was walking around and and without getting on the long tangent about me um, recording videos of just me and my acoustic guitar places, and I played down at um, Red Jacket Park right by the water there and people just started kayaking and boating up to listen and i was oh like i should have been doing this for you like i should have done this years ago so there's there's a market for for people who just want to listen to you play music in the water because they'll paddle up and and like to, like for them the, the the discovery of someone playing music on the riverbank is like mind-blowing well, that's what kayaking is all about. Like, you can discover little nooks and crannies that you wouldn't be able to get to on foot. Like, I went to Central Terminal over the summer, and I've never been there. I've been in lots of buildings in, as, like, a teenager. Lots of buildings that have now been mostly renovated and are used for the arts or whatever they use them for, restaurants. But they used to be empty. <laughs> 
but I never went to Central Terminal, and that was like the go-to, I think, for a lot of people. It was okay. There's a lot of glass, a lot of broken glass, a lot of dicks, a lot of penises on the graffiti down the <laughs> That is like the classic graffiti. <laughs> I think I'm over it. A, shine. a shining example of our heritage. And and yes, I, I think to, to, to that point, we should absolutely uh, normalize naval busking. I'm, I'm just going to be stuck on that point. Please. I want to see buskers on boats daily serenading people on boats, hopefully at boat parades. Um, for the first time on a bike ride but i saw it at night and i was like oh you can see it all like the whole scene of the the train bridges and the the central term not central terminal it's um concrete central that's what i'm talking about um and cargill's the grain silos silo city it's like the horizon of silo city that's a beautiful area. I'm I'm glad that um, some of that is still around for us to kind of like explore and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I've only gotten you know half a dozen cases of tetanus walk in those grounds. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. All right. Um, so I think we're we're just about at time with our interview here, Allison. I my last question for you. Uh, what what's in the works for Velvet Bethany? What do we other than the show on Saturday? Um, you know, are we just continuing with the process of writing and gigging out when gigs are available, or do, do we have a specific thing to look forward to? Um, I don't have anything, any shows planned after um, November. There's. One at Hotel Dalmatia, November 27th, Saturday. It's like Thanksgiving weekend with On the Cinder, Over and Out. I can't remember who else. Uh, I think Hotel Dalmatia is in Black Rock. It's in uh, Old Town Tonawanda, just outside of uh, Black Rock and Riverside. Okay, interesting. I knew it was over there somewhere. Yeah. But, like I've been recording music all year. And I don't know what it's gonna look like yet. Like I showed you that collage I made. I don't know if it's gonna go with that one. I think I'm gonna branch off and do two separate things. Like maybe do an album of Velvet Bethany and a little side project. Can you show that collage to our, our viewers or is that still secret? Oh, that's secret. Oh, it's secret. Oh, sorry, guys. Oh, we got to see it. (laughs) (laughs) So there will definitely be like a a record, like a a seven inch. As soon as I can get, got to find my stems next week. Got to find the masters. Um, Just like short thing, like think five songs. That sounds but, super cool. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be different. It's like more expansive. It's not punk at all. I mean, my friend said it sounded kind of like Riot Girl, but I was like, I don't know. This song is like really cheesy. <laughs> 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 you know, it's, it's like very open, and I and I call the song opening. <laughs> the song is like, I'm a, I can't even say. <laughs> 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 like, 
I wrote it about a person and they like came to the show and I just like played the wrong notes the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not ready to play this song. It's like too big. (laughs) It's like, because when I read the song, I'm gonna, it's gonna make something happen. So I can't write songs about negative things unless I'm transmuting the negativity. Every time I write a song, it happens. So I'm just like, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> too soon, too soon, wait. But I had to force myself to write it. I felt wrong just writing it. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay to have a friend. <laughs> just have your friend, Allison. <laughs> just, just keep your friend. <laughs> I'm, I'm so tempted to go off into a tangent about Coptic faith and the ancient Egyptians and how they they didn't like the right stuff down because it was a manifestation of things in the in the reality and yeah da 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 i i like feel that way because i noticed it happening and i'm just like oh shit i gotta be careful what i write we're either gonna make an apple pie we're gonna take a bike ride okay that sounds like good stuff (laughs) an apple pie with eyes flew into my window today yeah not, not uh, but who who couldn't uh, you know who wouldn't be interested in apple pie and bicycles i mean honestly that sounds like a good time anyways so oh, yeah, that sounds like happen. a good thing to to write about and to you know make happen mm-hmm. gotta keep it simple <laughs> keep the desires simple well beautiful i think that's actually the perfect literally the perfect tagline to end the, the interview on. Keep the desires simple. Don't overcomplexify <laughs> your life. Observe the English language. Allison says that it's, it is way too complex for what needs to be said. Japanese folks, they only got one way of greeting. We have, you know, what's shaking bacon? How we doing? What's up? You know, what's the sitch? How's the weather up there? An overabundance of phrases to communicate the same thing, so folks, keep the desires simple. And with that, I'm Devin Mullen. I'm Mike Shamil. And this has been the Eighth Note Sessions. Allison, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Check out this excerpt of the song Death Cocoon by Velvet Bethany. Check out their music on Bandcamp and all the major streaming services. sessions are produced by music is art our co-hosts are devin mullen and michael shamil editing by michael shamil the executive director is tracy fletcher our program director is sarah elizabeth shaw you can help programs like this keep going by donating today at musicisart.org thanks for listening